Hi, I'm Irwin McManus, and I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country, and you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel, and you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app and get to the channel. And we'll see you there. Christine was pregnant with Parker. That's when we uh, decided to really make Mosaic our home and attend and come and dive in um, every Sunday. When we first became parents, we fell into a time of financial crisis. We weren't expecting uh, so many expenses to come up. We needed financial advice, so we went to a planner and they looked over our situation and they said, oh, this is easy. You just need to cut your tithing. And we both looked at each other and we said, no, that's not going to happen. That's not us. I knew God was calling us to something and that was exactly what we didn't want to hear. And we knew that that wasn't us, that that's not part of our story. And it may sound crazy, but we actually gave more. We increased our giving. We increased our giving. God showed us what he had in mind. Um, And with that, he met us in our faith. Um, And that summer became the most productive summer at my office um, at the same exact time. In in that same summer, um, our company landed a really huge client that to this day is providing such solid um, income. So It's just amazing how God um, just meets us. Yeah. Meets us at our faith, really. The more that we dove in and the more that we became all in, the more He showed up for us in terms of blessing us with uh, friends and community that we would have never found otherwise. Because we've seen the lives transformed. We've seen campuses grow. We're here in South Pasadena now. And Venice is coming up. Um, We've seen conferences show up and that change people's lives. To be able to be part of that, we'll do it because we believe in this place. When we all think that way and give sacrificially with that spirit, I can't wait (laughs) to see how God is going to move us. We're the (laughs) Kinos. And love built this. I still remember the first year that we did this together. It was such an incredibly beautiful and historic moment to put a repurposed Christmas tree on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard in La Brea and to declare right here in the middle of Hollywood that Jesus is alive and well. That he's not just a story to remember, but he's someone to know and to trust and to follow. And if you're here as our guest tonight, we're so glad you're here. If, if you came because a friend invited you, and this is an unusual experience for you. If, you've, if you rarely step into environments of faith or go to church, and I just want you to know you are so welcome here. We're, we're overwhelmed with joy that you would choose to celebrate this moment with us. And I hope that you discover that you belong here and that we're already family. We just didn't know each other. And so what I want to do before I dive into the scriptures just a few moments is pray for all of you. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful night, for opportunity to celebrate together, to do life together. Jesus, we want to pause and remember why we're here, that 2,000 years ago, you astonished us by stepping into human history, God himself taking on flesh and blood, 
the creator becoming like us, his creation. You walked among us. You lived a sinless and beautiful life. And then in a way that shook us to the very core of our being, you allowed our violence and our darkness and our hate to be focused on you so that you could take our pain and our wounds and our suffering. And you gave your life for us on the cross. And through your death, you made a way for life. And when you rose from the dead, when you rose from the dead, when you rose from the dead, you began a new story that we thought was simply the end of a story. And we are here now in this moment, not simply because you died on the cross for us, but because you rose from the dead and you conquered fear and death. You conquered all the darkness that overwhelms us and the guilt and shame that seizes our souls and tries to destroy us. So Jesus, we are here to worship you. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So for the last seven years, we've had the privilege of living really just down the street here in Hollywood. And, and it's always been a dream, just a prayer of hope to get to live in the middle of this area that I get to walk to coffee shops. And, and we're in the middle of Larchmont Village. It's just such a beautiful little spot right in the heart of, of Los Angeles. And when we first moved here, one of the things that, that really um, intrigued us was all the movies that are being shot around our neighborhood, all the TV shows that are being shot. And we're always having to fill out forms. Will you allow us to, to shoot this TV show on your street? And will you allow us to shoot this film on your street? And when we were first here, we were so excited. We were, of course, of course. And what, what TV show? What TV? Who's in it? And, and Kim would just sign those things away. And she was the most gracious neighbor in, in the whole area. Seven years later, it, it's not that fun. See, the, the, the mystique kind of wore off, the excitement kind of wore off, and, 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 and Scandal decided to film on our street for the last, what, seven years. And, and I mean, I've been begging God to cancel that show for seven years, and <laughs> just so we could have our street back, but it just keeps going on and on. It's a scandal, and I'm telling you, it's been terrible, and, and they just block off the whole street, and they're always apologizing, but they're never changing the way they act, just like on the show. And... and, and <laughs> And so for years, they've been coming and just taking up our parking, and we're not allowed to park. They'll tow us away, and it's just so frustrating. And, and then other movies and TV shows are constantly being added, and you, we keep losing more things. And, and you know, I'm trying to be a patron of the arts, and I'm trying to understand that this is the heart of Hollywood. I love film and television, but enough is enough. So this week, just a few days ago, all these film crews, crews were on our street, and it just started driving me crazy. A scandal's back. And, but it wasn't just Scandal, it was another TV show. I didn't know that. They had taken up both sides. And, and, and we were trying to come together as a family to do Christmas. To go get a Christmas tree. To bring Christmas cheer. We couldn't even park where we live. And, and there's a guy outside of our garage telling us we cannot park. On the street where we live. He goes, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to park here. I am allowed to park here. I live here. He goes, well... You cannot park here. And I said, we're going to park right here. I pointed to the spot so there'd be clarity. I said, I, we're going to park right here. We're going to put this car right here because that's my family. We're going to go get a tree. He goes, I'm sorry, sir. I can't allow you to do that. I said, then you need to know that we're going to do that anyway. And he goes, but, I, but and, and, and he was getting really nervous. And, and, and he said, but we paid for the street. And I said, you didn't pay me. And, and so I was, getting, I was getting a little intense. I was, and, and, 
But I want clarity. I want him to understand how I felt and how I saw the world and how I saw him and everyone he represented in that moment. And he goes, well, I, I can't let you park here. I'll lose my job. I said, go to your boss right now. Find the producer. Let him know the neighbor in the corner is really, really upset. He goes, well, I, go tell him. I need your boss to know. So, okay, okay, because the car's staying right there. In, 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 in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, in the spirit of Jesus and the character of Jesus. And, and, uh, and, and so a little while goes by, and these uh, two um, location managers knock on our front door. And say, our, um, hi, we're, we're from um, the TV show. We're taking up the street, and we understand that you know, you're frustrated. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm frustrated. She goes, oh, no, no yeah, we, we heard you. And... Uh, and she goes, and, and she goes, and I said, you have to understand, seven years of scandal, seven years. And, and she goes, well, we're not scandal. We're a new TV show here. You know, 911. And I'm like, I want to call 911 right now. And, and then she said, but, but we want to know, what will it take to make you happy? Because we, we want to compensate all of you for your inconvenience. What will it take to make you happy? Well, how rare is it for a person to ask you that? What will it take to make you happy? I'm thinking, happiness is such an elusive thing. <laughs> what will it take? And, and just, just give us a, an amount. We want to make sure you're compensated. I said, look, I don't do that. I'm not, I'm not a negotiator. I, I don't even like this kind of thing. But it would actually be helpful if you guys compensated in some way. So go decide what you, what's fair and come back and let me know. I don't want to negotiate with you. You just tell me what's right. They go, okay. You know, and they left. Then they came back the next day and they met with me and they said, okay, um, Mr. McManus, you know, we want to make sure that you're happy and make sure you're okay. And, and so we, 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 we wanted to offer you $2,500 for being able to use your street. And I said, that was more than I thought, by the way. So I was like, oh, okay, you know. I thought I was going to negotiate up to that. And, 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 and I said, okay, well, if that's what you think is fair, that's fine. And, and uh, you, you know, and, and, and I said, but could you just make the checkout to our church, Mosaic? Because, see, we're part of a church that's changing the landscape of the city, changing people's lives, touching people all over the world. And... and, and I said, and, and for us, it isn't about the money. We, we want to do more good in the world. And they go, Mosaic? And I said, you know, the round building on Hollywood Boulevard. They go, oh, we know Mosaic. And they start, and they start talking and they start whispering. And they, they go, well, um, you know, it's going to be worse than you think. We're going to actually be crashing a car next to your house. And, <laughs> and, and the whole street is going to be blocked off. So you won't even be able to access your garage all of Monday. And so we'd like to offer you $3,500 instead. Wow, I'm not even negotiating. Up. And this is going up. And uh, I'm just telling them we want to do good in the world. And that's all they're going to help do is do more good in the world. And, and we're going to just shift a little production money into humanitarian causes. And it's going to be a beautiful thing because the church is the most powerful and meaningful investment on the planet. And, and, and so now they're raising it up. And, and then they start talking. I said, where are you from? And she goes, I'm from North Carolina. I said, you know, I, I went to school at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. And she goes, I went to school at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, and, and we're Tar Heels, so we're bonded for life. And all of a sudden, all the barriers were broken between us. And, and, we're, and she started talking about all these people she wants to connect me to. And, and then she go, explain again what you do. And it's hard for people to understand you're a pastor. 
And, uh, and what, 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 what does that mean? And, and so we started talking about Mosaic and all that we're doing here. And, and then they came back and said, well, you know, we, we might have to shoot the side of your house. And if we have to shoot the side of your house on the show, we'll be able to pay you another thousand. And, and, and this is a beautiful thing. <laughs> and, uh, how, how I began in this moment of incredible frustration and didn't even begin to see the opportunities that were going to unwrap in this moment. See, this, this is exactly what Paul is talking about, but, but in a more specific way. In Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2, Paul says this. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open the door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. It's almost as if Paul knew I was going to come to life one day and say, Erwin, I'm going to put this in Colossians for you. You're going to need this on this particular day when you're at the end of yourself and you're, you need to remember why you're here. And it's, it's the very thing that I sense so deeply that God is trying to tell us as a community of faith. See, what, what, what this Christmas tree does when we put it on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard, the reason so many of us are crammed into this moment, sitting on the floor, filling every single space, making this a sweat box, is because a few people stepped into a moment and saw a wide open future. They saw an opportunity for this city to experience the love and meaning and freedom and hope that only Jesus can bring. See, and what's wonderful is, is that whenever something becomes easy, it looks easy to everyone. And, and once it looks doable, people start jumping in. But before it's doable, it looks impossible. And I can tell you there was a time where everyone who talked about Hollywood, everyone who talked about Los Angeles, everyone who talked about the things that we've been able to experience, people said, that's not an open door. That's a closed door. But have you ever noticed that sometimes closed doors are the same doors that are open later? I mean, I know sometimes we think, closed door, closed door, closed door. i got to find that open door. But I, I, what I've discovered in life is sometimes the very door that was closed before is the door that actually opens later. And, and the reason it didn't open before is not that the door wasn't ready to be opened. is that you were not ready to walk through it. And what God is trying to do, he's actually trying to prepare us for the wide open world, the wide open future, the wide open opportunity that waits on the other side of that door. Some of you know that. There are a lot of you here who are single. There's some of you who are married. You know. She kept saying no. Door closed. Door closed. Door closed. You were on the edge of being a stalker. But you, <laughs> you called it being relentless. You were romantic. And she just kept saying no. She might have said never. Not on your life. If you were the last man alive. And you thought, okay. If I were the last man alive. And so there is a chance, right? And, and, and you kept pressing. And even your guys, your friends tell you, stop it, man. It's never going to happen. It's a closed door. There's some of you here, you kept working with that door. And just keep coming back and coming back. And one day that door opened. Because it's strange how certain doors open when you approach it with kindness or compassion or integrity. When you approach that, that door with resilience and perseverance and character, 
See, I'm convinced that so many of the doors in life that don't open now, that open later, are not because the door was stuck, but because you were stuck. And the God is waiting to get you unstuck so he can take you into a wide-open future. Listen to what he says. Verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, those are three words that don't really seem to go together. Prayer, watchful, thankful. Which one does not like the others? Because when we say we need to pray, we also think we need to be thankful, right? But not really watchful. Because if you're going to be watching, you can't really be praying. Because how do we pray? Hey, let's take a moment and pray together. Right? Everybody just starts closing their eyes. Because we know you cannot pray without closing your eyes. That's the way Jesus always prayed, was you always close your eyes. And, and, and in fact, when our kids were growing up, they had a bad habit. They would pray with their eyes open. Because they watched me pray, and I prayed with my eyes open. And we would be at the dinner table, and Kim would say, oh, let's pray. And then she started to pray, and then she'd look at the kids and go, Aaron? Sorry, Aaron, it was you. And uh, <laughs> close your eyes. And I would think to myself, how does she know his eyes are open? <laughs> the only way she could know his eyes are open is if her eyes are open, so she broke the code first. But you see, I didn't close my eyes because I spent a lot of years working in the hood. I, had, I worked for a lot of years with guys in, in drug cartels and gangbangers and guys who carried weapons and guns and knives. And I, wouldn't, I was not about to pray with my eyes closed. It was just really practical. <laughs> and I would be known as the guy who prayed with my eyes, my eyes open. And even like some of the guys would go look at me and go, hey man, you're the pastor. Why are your eyes open? Because I'm watching you. That's why. <laughs> I'm praying to God, but I'm looking at you. And I'm praying to God about you, so I'm going to be looking at you. They go, okay, I get that. So I understand it says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful. See, I think a lot of us think that prayer always pulls us away from people. But actually, what Paul is saying is you need to have prayers that push you toward people. You need to pray with your eyes open. You need to be asking God, what are you doing all around me? What are you doing all around us? God, show me where you're working so I can move there. I want to pray and be watchful so I can be thankful. Because when you see God working, you are driven toward gratitude and driven toward thanks. See, I think the problem is a lot of us only pray with our eyes closed. And Paul says, by the way, if you're familiar with his words, to pray without ceasing. That means to pray all the time. So how can you pray all the time if you can only pray with your eyes closed? That means whenever you're walking across the street in L.A., you cannot pray. You have to say, God, I have to stop. Because i got to get across the street. So you either pray, watch, or die. But maybe we've got it all backwards. Maybe we need to listen to what Paul is saying. We need to pray with our eyes open. We need to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful. Praying, saying, God, what are you doing? God, where do you want me? God, what do I need to see? God, what do I need to celebrate in this moment? Because if I don't have my eyes open, I cannot see how you're already answering the prayers I'm praying even right now. See, I think what's happened in our community is that we begin praying with our eyes open. We saw the future of Los Angeles. We've seen the future of Venice, Santa Monica. We've seen the future of South Pasadena and Highland Park. We've seen the future of the greatest cities in the world, and they are wide open. They are waiting for men and women who pray with their eyes open to see what God is doing. He goes on to say, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He tells us not only to pray with our eyes open, but we need to pray 
for doors to open. Paul says, look, pray with your eyes open. Be watchful, but pray also that, that God may open a door for our message. Now, I got to tell you, when I saw that film crew, when I saw them all coming, I was not thinking to myself, oh, an opportunity. <laughs> one more inconvenience in my life. But let me tell you one thing I've learned over a lifetime. Most of the times, the opportunities that God are bringing into your life are inconveniences on your life. The opportunities always look like inconveniences at first, and that's the great danger, is that you may live your life avoiding inconvenience. You may live your life avoiding sacrifice. You may live your life avoiding the challenges, and you're missing the opportunities God has for you. So so pray that God would open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am chained. chained. God's saying I'm going to open doors for you, but you need to be praying for these doors to be opened. What are the doors that you're praying for God to open in your life? And we'll pray about so many things. God, give me a better job. God, give me a better career. God, give me a better boyfriend. All right. God, just give me any girlfriend. And, uh, all right, I, I heard your prayers. And uh, you're praying for an open door? But how many times do you pray for an open door? God, give me an opportunity to invest in someone's life. God, give me an opportunity to influence someone toward good. Give me an opportunity, God, to bring life to someone. God, give me a moment where, even if I'm terrified, to connect someone to Jesus. And, and it was just this, even this amazing journey with, with the people on, on 911. Just begin to have conversations and getting to talk to them about what we do and why we do and how Jesus has changed our lives and how we give our lives to this. And, and then they came back and had to bring me the forms to fill out. So I filled out the forms. Then I got, grabbed a couple of my different books and put them with the forms. And, and I said, I want to give you a couple of gifts. And I started to explain what the books were about. And I just thought, you know, here it is. Just praying for a door to open of a conversation that might change someone's life forever. And then this is strange from Paul. He says then, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Like, why would Paul be praying that he should proclaim it clearly? Isn't he like the expert? It's Paul. The historians say that the apostle Paul is the reason Christianity is a world religion. I think it's Jesus, but but I'm just telling you that historians say it's it's Paul. (laughs) Paul is like the revolutionary who just exploded this thing. Jesus, you know, he didn't travel far, stayed with a small group of people. And, and then died an early death and rose from the dead, which helps the movement. And, and, uh, and, but Paul then has this drive to take the message of Jesus to Rome, to Caesar. Paul believes that the most influential, powerful person in the world needs to bow to Jesus of Nazareth. Because that Caesar who claims he is God is empty and soulless and desperately needs forgiveness and hope. Paul was out of his mind. And yet he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. You need to pray with your eyes open and pray for doors to open, but you need to pray that you are open. I love the fact that no matter how much success Paul had, how much expertise he was known for having, how much impact he already had, he said, pray for me that I might do this well. Pray that I might be open. Because I, I, I need to keep my heart tender and adaptable. and I need to keep myself sensitive to what God is doing in people's lives. I need to listen to their conversations. 
pray that I might be able to proclaim this clearly. You know what I know about you? Is that you're almost like an infinite number of musical notes that resonates with the human soul. And, and, And there's a particular note that people without God are listening for, they're looking for, they didn't even fully understand it. They just know when they hear it, it resonates with them and it rings as true. And what they're searching for is God, but they need to hear it through the transformation of your soul. And when they see Jesus in you, when they hear Jesus in you, when when you become the proof of God for them, for the first time in their life, God becomes clear to them. See, there's some people that will never get who God is if they cannot see God in you. So he says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. See, and our words do not have texture without our lives. It is our lives that give the power and the essence to the words. You can answer that. but only if you tell them that they should be here. (laughs) And then he shifts just for a moment. Let me just bring this to a a wrap-up. He says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says, Move toward the outsider. He says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. You know, one of the things that kind of breaks my heart, it is when I hear people who believe in Jesus say, you know, I, I liked the church when I first came, but it's too big now. I mean, what would they be saying tonight? You know, yeah, I, you know, I, I want a little church. I want a small church that can meet my needs. You, you, you know what? When I listen to the words of the scriptures, it's always moving toward the outsider. The scriptures are always moving us to the person who desperately needs to be loved. It's moving us toward the person who doesn't have connections, doesn't have community, doesn't know what their life is even here for. And what I love about our community at Mosaic, and this is the wide open future. See, God has a wide open future for everyone whose heart is open for other people. So be wise in the way that you relate to the outsider. And by the way, it's one of the peculiar things about Mosaic. A lot of people come here and they tell me, you know, your language is different. And we don't use a lot of the language that the church uses, because we don't use churchy language. Because one of the things I realized is that, that the church has sort of like an insider language, that when a person comes from the outside, they immediately feel like an outsider because they don't understand the language of the insiders. Have you ever been in a room of people who have all these inside jokes, and they're all laughing, but you're like just standing there? And, and, and you're like, how come I don't get this? But you know what's strange? They know you don't get it. It's their way of letting you know you don't belong in that conversation. And you felt that, haven't you? See, and, and what happens a lot of times is that, that, that well-meaning people who fall in love with God, who fall in love with Jesus, and fall in love with people who love Jesus, forget that there's never supposed to be a room where the outsider isn't welcome and invited and loved and honored and respected. And that's, so we decided a long time ago that we were going to use a particular form of communication that can connect to everyone. It's called English. <laughs> and, and when Paul says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, I think this is a huge part of it. Look, if you're here and you're a guest, I want you to know, we, we will mess up. We will fall short. 
But I want you to know we're going to do everything we can to love you. We're going to do everything we can to let you know that you matter. We're not going to ever require you to believe for us to care about who you are and what's happening in your life. And in this past week, I've had two huge negotiation situations. And both of them I said, look, we're going to do for you what you need so that you're not obligated to us. And then after we do what you need, then you can decide what you want to do out of gratitude rather than obligation. And what I want you to realize is this. We've made a decision in our life. You don't ever have to agree with us. You don't ever have to come to believe in the God that we love and the Jesus that has changed our lives. We hope you do. We long for you to. We're going to be really honest. We pray that you will. But it will never affect how much we care about you. It will never affect whether you belong here with us. It will never change our affection or our focus or our concern or our investment in your life. Because this is not a negotiation. We're going to love you without condition for the rest of your life. Because there is no greater wisdom than love. And so Mosaic's always going to be moving toward the outsider. It's going to be true. We're always going to be having problems like this. We're always going to be in danger of being shut down by the fire department. We're always going to be make room for one more person. Because you know what I know? If you're the last person we allow to come, one day you're going to care deeply about someone. And, and can you imagine being a part of something that changed your life and knowing there's not room for one more person? No. There's always going to be room for one more. We'll stack you up three high. He says, make the most of every opportunity. He's saying, expect for God to move. You know what I've noticed? I do not make the most of every opportunity when I do not expect God to move in my life. But when I wake up believing God is going to do something awesome, I make the most of every opportunity. See, when I have this awareness around me, I know God is doing something. I know God is working. I feel a little bit out of my mind. I just sense this overwhelming dynamic that that God is just sort of like waiting for me to trust him. It changes the way I I step into that opportunity. And it's something that can just be just a short moment. Right before I came to Mosaic this morning, I I, I had some clothes on and and the producers or people knocked on the doors again. Said, hey, we just want to make sure everything's good. We're going to go. We're going to put our stuff here today. And I said, that's fine, that's fine. She goes, hey, I love the way you're dressed. I said, this is the way I dress to go to church. I just thought I'd throw that right in there. And uh, <laughs> you want to make the most of every opportunity. You want to step into those moments and, and begin to have conversations. You know what's amazing to me is uh, even this week I had a conversation with someone. And, and they just looked all together and all. Um, they just looked perfect, honestly, you know. And then they just begin to share with me how they've been struggling with their inner thoughts and struggling with suicide and struggling with self-loathing. And, and just, it just seems like every week there's someone who reminds me that we're really good at hiding the brokenness inside of us. And, and if we just take time and care about people and love them and go, God, I know you want to do something in my life, but not for me, but through me you'll begin to make the most out of every opportunity. Who, all right, we're jam-packed tonight, but who could you have brought tonight that could have had a life-changing moment because you stepped into that opportunity? Imagine what kind of craziness would be going on now 
if all of us took every opportunity we had in this moment. And then he says, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says, hey, let me just wrap this up with this one thought. Be someone that people who don't believe in God want to talk to about God. See, I think this is the most important thing. So let your conversation be always full of grace. You know, the way it was when I was talking to that production company. Well, maybe it wasn't full of grace. It could have been half full of grace, three quarters maybe. And um, seasoned with salt. I think I might have had a little too much salt. A little too salty. But then he says, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, let me tell you the key here. It doesn't mean that you will have every answer for everyone. You don't have to have every answer for everyone. See, some of you are afraid. Some of you are so afraid to talk to someone about Jesus, to talk to them about God, to talk to them about your faith, because you know they're going to ask you a question that's just too big for your brain. And you're going to feel absolutely foolish, and you're going to feel like you've embarrassed God. But I want you to know something. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to be ready to have the answers people need. And there's a difference between knowing every answer. So you know what the best answers in the world is? I don't know. I mean, that's what, that covers a lot of topics. I don't know. <laughs> you know what's really powerful? And you go, I don't know. In fact, that, in fact, that question, it haunts me too. You know, that question, that's one I want to ask God one day too, if I, you know, if I get to ask questions. That's a question that really bothers me. You, you know, let me say something. When, when you finally admit you don't have all the answers, people will begin to respect the answers you actually have. He says, so make sure that your conversation is always full of grace. You know what people need from us? They don't need us to be right. They don't need, to be, they need us to be so certain. They certainly don't need us to act so absolute. What they need us to be is full of grace. I mean, I know why you're asking those questions. I know the kind of pain that it takes to get to that place. I, I know how long it takes to find healing when you've been through that kind of hardship. What people need from us are words of grace. Say, I, I, I'm just with you. Sometimes you just say, I, I, I don't even know how to answer your questions. I just know how to be with you. Can my just being with you be the answer that I have? Can I just sit with you, just hold you, just weep with you? Maybe that's my answer. My answer is you don't have to go through this alone. And we'll find the answer together. Seasoned with salt, which means you're supposed to make things better, not worse. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Wow. See, I, I'm convinced that, that even the hardest heart can very quickly become wide open. The person you think is shut down, their doors are closed, they're just locked up, they're never going to be open to God. I'm telling you that if you just keep loving them and caring for them and praying for them, and if you just keep investing in them, you're going to find that those doors will finally one day be wide open. You know, those relationships that you think have been devastated, that you can never repair, but you long to heal, they can become wide open again. You know that future that you think you've lost, those dreams that you think will never happen, a tomorrow that never just seems to come around? I want you to know that God wants to give you a wide open future. He wants to do things in your life bigger than anything you could ever ask or imagine. 
but he needs you to trust him. That the only way you will begin to experience an open life is by becoming an open person. You have to open yourself to Jesus. You have to open yourself to what God wants for your life. You have to open your soul and say, God, I'm going to trust you with my life even though I'm terrified. And then when you open yourself to God, you begin to realize that God is going to do such great things in your life. Because when you have an open spirit, the possibilities are endless. I I think that's why we're so drawn to Christmas. With all the problems in the world, all the suffering and pain and disappointment, all the wars and violence, with everything that's going on all around us, we have a moment where hope seems so real. A moment where the possibility of peace on earth almost overwhelms us. What a strange thing that God would step into human history in the person of Jesus. To be born of a virgin, to come as an infant. Who would have ever guessed that the birth of that child would blow open all the walls that separate us from God and make the path to freedom and forgiveness and hope and love and joy wide open. When Jesus died on the cross, he tore whatever separates you from God and he waits for you to step into his space. Jesus says, I am the door. Whoever comes in and out through me will enter into wide open spaces. For some of you here, you're suffocating. You're suffocating in your shame. You're suffocating in your guilt. You're suffocating because your life has come to a dead end. You're suffocating. And what you need is Jesus to breathe his life in you and make you new. So at this moment, I want us to pray. And yes, I want you to close your eyes. (laughs) Just bow your heads just for a moment and just close your eyes. I want to ask you a very simple question. Is it time for you to cross that line of faith and give your life to Jesus? Is it time for you to cross the line of faith and trust Jesus with your life? You don't have to have all the answers. But somehow inside right now, in this moment, you know that what you need is God. What you need is what Jesus did for you. And somehow it makes sense to you that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you could live. And he rose from the dead. And he's here right now and he's ready to forgive you. He wants to pour his life into you. He wants to pour his love into you. And right now, I want you to know that if you will give him your life, he will give you his life. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received. Allow it to go deeply into your soul. To allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic. To go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation. To become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.